All right. Good evening and welcome once again to our Friday Night with Friends. I am thrilled because I will readily admit I'm biased, but we have a very special guest on with us this evening. I'm not even going to introduce him. I'm going to let Pastor Steve introduce him, and I'm going to step back out of the way. And we want to jump right in tonight with Friday Night with Friends. We have plenty of time for discussion and sharing. And if you're joining us online in either YouTube or Facebook, feel free to post questions and comments in the chat. And I will be back later this evening to go ahead and begin feeding those into the conversation with Stephen and our guest. And having said that, Stephen, why don't you go ahead and take it away? Thank you, Desi, and good evening, everyone. It's always a pleasure to have you join us on Friday Night with Friends, and uh, I am very excited to have our guest. He is long overdue to speak to you. In fact, he was supposed to uh, speak to you around the time that COVID-19 struck, and uh, all kinds of plans changed. And so if you don't recognize the guest on the screen, this is none other than the amazing, the vivacious, and the crazy Rachel Lugo, her father. This is Kendall Patrick. Brother Patrick, welcome. We're so glad to have you with us. <laughs> it's good to be with you, Dr. Beardsley, just to throw everybody a curve there. Rachel yes, exactly. warned me a little bit that, that everybody might not know you as Dr. Beardsley like I do. Do we need to explain that or just go with no, it? No, I think it's all right. When I first met Brother Patrick, uh, Desi was one of my students and, and Rachel even audited my classes. And so when he met me, he met me as the Dean of the graduate school. And so I have become ensconced, I guess, in the, uh, the memory as Dr. Beardsley. Um, I prefer actually your granddaughter's name for me. Uh, Dinah at the time was very young and could not say the long name Beardsley. And, uh, so I really liked it. Once she warmed up to me, she called me Dr. Barry and I really liked that one. That was, uh, that was great. I remember one time we were having a, a very pompous event, a symposium and some people talking and all this. And Dinah was stuck there looking at a screen, trying to be not bored with all the adult stuff. And I began to talk and she didn't even look up from her screen. She just said to Rachel, she says, I hear Dr. Barry. <laughs> so anyway, I like Dr. Barry better, but I'm not going to ask you to call me Dr. Barry. Um, but uh, welcome, Brother Patrick. We're glad that you're here tonight. And folks, I'm excited because we're going to share with you a conversation that he and I had um, a few months ago as I was trying to parse through some very big decisions um, that you all have been privy to decisions that we made with regard to our reserve and how we were spending money and investing in the kingdom, et cetera. But before we get there, um, Brother Patrick, you are a farmer. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. Now, you're going to have to help us out here because there's an awful lot of my congregation that, like me, we think bread grows on trees in plastic bags and they pick it and stick it in the stores. Those little white clips are what attached it to the tree, you know, that kind of a thing. So give us uh that's not quite how it works, is it? Bread doesn't no. just show up in the stores in plastic bags, does it? No, no. Yeah, so, all right, well, I'll just start and you can kind of redirect me. I, I did not want to miss the irony, though, if I could just interject this. I, I'm sure. delighted to be with you and, and Desi and, uh, and Newark UPC. But don't you think it's just a little ironic that we've got my son-in-law from the West Coast, my good friend Steve Beardley from the East Coast, and then you got this guy from the Deep South. 
here we are, friends. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. That's, that's the kingdom. That's absolutely the kingdom. So before we jump into talking about uh, what I want to talk about tonight, you're not just any old farmer, though, are you? Now, I'm not quite sure how to answer that. Ah, that's why I said it that way. So let's <laughs> let's go a little bit into your background. So as a young man, you did not originally intend to be a farmer, correct? Oh, no, my goodness. Uh, all right. I, now you triggered something. So I'm going to take off and you can stop me and redirect me as you all need right. to. All, all right. right. All right. My dad was born on a farm and his great goal in life was to get off the farm. He became a school teacher, school administrator. He was a boy during the Great Depression and he spent his days walking behind a mule with old single tree plow and and and, and the work was brutal. The, there was nobody had any money. It was a terrible time. So anyway, his, so he raised me. He got off the farm. And his mantra, man, was you go to college, you get a degree so you can, you don't have to be a farmer. Okay. And then lo and behold, I came along and I married uh, my wife. And her dad was one of those absolutely passionate you know, eat, sleep, drink, farming. And the Lord moved us up here and I had no intentions of being a farmer. Even when we moved up here and I went and talked to her dad, I said, look, we feel, we feel like we want to come in this direction. And we got the whole, anyway, that's a long story. I, I know we probably don't have time for all that. But anyway, uh, he said, come on. He said, what do you want to do? I said, well, I just like to work with you long enough until I figure out what I want to do. So I never had any intentions of being a farmer. And yet that's what the Lord had planned for us all along. And in time that came into focus. What did you intend to be? Well, I had a, I had a, I was going to be, you know, when I came out of high school, I didn't have a clue. And so, you know, you got to do something. So I said, well, you know, veterinary medicine sounds pretty good. I've been around, I was born in a rural area and I've been around farming. My first job was uh, as a teenage person, paying job was, you know, chopping cotton and doing odd jobs around farms. So I'd been around farming all my life, grew up in a little rural community there. And so uh, I didn't know what to do, but I thought, well, veterinary medicine, that's outside, you know, that's animals. And so, so I spent first two years in college in pre-vet. And then what? Uh, over at Louisiana Tech, it was a two-year program, uh, pre-veterinary medicine. Uh, and so I did the two-year program. And lo and behold, they accepted me in veterinary school in LSU at uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So we moved. We went to LSU. And so, Daddy, I'm going to interrupt. For all of our East Coast friends who are not from the South, is LSU, like, does that mean anything? Like, is that one of those schools that people might have heard of in the South? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's Louisiana State University. <laughs> hey, and if anybody's It's, it's any... the big school in Louisiana, for those of oh, you who don't land... get that. LSU yeah. is a big deal. <laughs> You're making the people in Louisiana squirm right now. Yeah, because LSU is the big dog. And so... I've heard, uh, of, them in, I've heard of them in football. I've heard they're pretty good in football. I was going to say, if you had any, yeah, if you had any connections to uh, college football, you know, last year, you might have noticed that they were, yeah, yeah, okay. 
<laughs> so yes, yes, all um, you Louisiana State University nutheads were uh, all going crazy because you all were you all were doing pretty well last year. Yes. Sir. Ooh, oh yeah, it was. All right, so year. let's let's move it along. So you so you do that. You're admitted to LSU. Do you end up going to LSU? I did. I entered veterinary school, and I and I'm a little. I I, I have apologies to the veterinary school because I had every intention of becoming a veterinarian. But when I got down there and I'd been in veterinary school for a few months, oh, something wasn't right. And to make a long, now you'll understand it. I can't tell this to everybody, but you'll understand this. We learned in time. I mean, my, my wife and I got the Holy Ghost at 17. I, is it okay to say I wasn't raised Pentecostal? She wasn't raised Pentecostal and, and, we, we uh, like we like first generation Pentecostals. They they tend to be more genuine and authentic than the than the next generations down. So I like first generation Pentecostals. So imagine us. You got these two kids, seventeen years old. We get the Holy Ghost. We don't know anything. Nothing. We're juniors in high school. We graduate high school. We go to Louisiana Tech, and and I spend two years over there in pre veterinary medicine. They accept me to veterinary school. I go to LSU Baton Rouge, and thinking I'm going to be a veterinarian. And now I'm in veterinary school for a few months and I'm telling my wife, something's not right. Well, we go to, have you ever heard of Curtis Young? Oh, I mean, I know this is old news, but I know Curtis Young. He was pastor at the church and it was, it was rocking. It was a great church. They were in a revival that lasted like the three years we were there. We saw some of the most, anyway, long story short, we realized that vet, the veterinary thing was to get us to Baton Rouge because you got two kids that don't know anything about anything. And we got under brother Curtis Young in that revival they were having. And we learned, it prepared us really, Dr. Beersley, for really the next 50 years of service to the Lord. I know that may be a stretch, but it got us on a foundation. Oh, it got us kicked that. off. So, so then where did so then where did God take you after that? So if something wasn't right, what happened? So I had to go through the process of withdrawing, which was very painful. And uh and so uh I switched over for lack of a better direction, I switched over into the College of Agriculture. Because that's really still at L- still at LSU. Still at LSU. You know, my dad and my mama had trained me, you go to college and you get a degree. Right. Uh yeah, that that's just what we do. So, all right, so I switch over to the agronomy, which is row crop agriculture. It's just the College of Agriculture. And so I get a degree in agronomy, but I still don't intend to be a farmer. You know, there's lots of things in agriculture that, that you can do that does not involve farming, you know, the actual farming. You can be in ag business and all kind of finance and the finance side or, or the or the sales side and equipment, seed, fertilizer. There's, it's a huge industry. So do farmers at this time in the 1970s, I'm going to slightly reveal your age. Yeah. Do farmers have Bachelor of Science in Agronomy? Is that like a thing? Yes. Oh. Is it common for farmers to go get agronomy degrees? Oh, nowadays, absolutely. Uh, How about uh, 1970? No, no, I was in that, I was really in that vanguard in that generation. The farmers that, that I came up under were very few in our area. And I don't know about the country, but I, 
I assume it was the same. Very few had college, got very few were college educated, but my generation, my age, were getting college educated. And so it was the, for the first time. And yeah, and today, oh yeah, the, the, the men that are successful in farming today, uh, the bulk of them are highly educated. Yeah, in fact, they even get the, they'll do the master's degree in ag, you know, and they'll get an MBA and, uh, and some of them. And so, yeah, yeah, it All is. Right. So, so to our listeners, my point of starting out that you're not just any old farmer is the point that you not only have a BS, a bachelor's of science in agronomy, but you also were in the vanguard, if you will, of the generation of farmers that began to apply science to that which had done been done by basically generational transfer of knowledge and by trial and error over hundreds of years, yeah, I would say thousands of years, ever since, uh, I guess we'd go all the way back to Cain, growing, growing things, growing crops, etc. So in the context of that uh, Newark UPC, the reason that I, I want to kind of share this conversation that I had with, with Brother Patrick is I have found within the scriptures, and I am not a farmer, ladies and gentlemen, I am, I I do not. I am a house cat. I don't like the outdoors. I'm not a hunter. I, I, Brother Patrick and I are two very different birds. We have great respect for one another, but we come from two very different parts of the country. We do very different things with the hours in our days, and uh, but we serve the same king, and that's what binds us together. Despite diversity, we serve the same king. And so as we, as you study the scripture, you find that Jesus uses over and over oh. and over farming, yes. whether it be talking about faith, grain of a mustard seed. So we're talking about seeds or the very powerful parable that he talks about, about sowing the word, which is in fact, and it's called cast sowing. I do know that much. It's not digging a hole and planting it, but it's actually casting seed. And some of it falls on different types of ground and depending on the type of ground determines how it responds. So he uses farming with the gospel so many times. And so as the Lord began to direct me to, to, to take some steps that were a little unorthodox, that kind of went in directions that I was uncomfortable with, uh, that Newark had never taken, or the Patrick was visiting. And I, the Lord just kind of brought to my mind, why don't you go talk to the farmer? So I went over and I spent a lot longer than I planned to. I actually ended up eating a meal and enjoying it. Rachel's a great cook, as you all know. And so I ended up sharing a meal and Brother Patrick and I sat at the end of the Lugo dining room table and I asked him about some things with regard to farming. And so, Brother Patrick, I'm going to start with one of these questions that I asked you that night. I want you to talk to me about seed. And, and specifically, and I know things have changed a little bit into, into today, so our analogy or the way Jesus would be speaking of seed. But I want, to talk, I want you to talk about seed, where it comes from, its scarcity, its importance to save it, and the risk that's involved when you have to plant it, in other words, come back full circle, because the seed doesn't come at the seed store, does it? The seed actually comes out of the plants that came out of the ground that you had to plant the seed to get. Talk a little bit about this as a farmer, all of this that's involved of, of our seed and what's happening with seed. I'll start. You kind of, you kind of trigger it along as we need the the life is in the seed. It's, it's, it's not a, the fact that Jesus would use a seed to illustrate, to mirror the word is, is powerful. 
he he designed his creation, I believe, to mirror who he is and how he. So so when he started talking about the seed, the sower went forth to sow the seed. The life is in the seed, but Doctor Beersley, I remember when I was young and I was fresh out of college, and and we came home and the seed salesman, which was one of the jobs in the ag industry, would have these grower meetings and they were promoting their variety of seed. Now you got to understand there's, there's tons of varieties. And one of the jobs of a farmer is he has to filter through the varieties. But I remember that seed salesman standing up, holding a seed in front of this group of farmers. And he'd say, He'd say, gentlemen, this is a pregnant mama. I hope that's okay for me to say that. It's all right. Yep. You're all right. What he was trying to illustrate to us that the life is in that seed. And you've got to be very careful how you treat the seed. And of course, we all, as farmers, we knew that, but I never had heard it expressed just like that. But it really stuck in my mind that the power of life. And then and then the miracle that we see when that seed goes into the ground. So what happens when it goes into the ground? Because that's crazy. Something that's valuable, you go and bury it in the dirt. What's it do? That's why Jesus referred to it, because he had designed it that way, that the seed, if it stays in the bag, it cannot reproduce itself. That seed has got to give up its nice, comfortable spot in that warm, dry bag and go out there and be stuck in that wet dirt. And then it has to die. It has to die. So wait, a minute, wait, 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 wait. So something that's, a, something that's pregnant with life has to do what? It has to die. That's the paradox. In order to live, you first have to die. And, and we, as farmers, you know, it was just miraculous. We take those seeds, you know, and stick them in that dirt and it just would, life would explode. But if we, if we leave those seed in the bag, there's not going to be a harvest. You can forget having a harvest. If you say, well, I'm going to keep my seed, uh, you know, I'm going to protect my seed and leave it in the bag. Oh, no, no, you got it. Now you're talking about risk. Oh, Oh, now you're about faith in the process. Oh, yeah. You got to take those seed and put them out there and put them at risk. Did it, ever get, did it ever get easy to do that? No, sir. No, sir. It was always a very, it was an exciting time, but it was a tense time because there was so much hanging. I mean, you know, we think about the harvest every day. That's why we're out there. But Everything hinges on getting those seed in the ground at the right time, right temperature, right amount of moisture, you know, with a clean seed bed, get rid of the weeds. I mean, the analogies in the spirit world are legion. They are hand in glove. But it is so crucial to get those seed in the ground at just right. So that life that's in, that's why Jesus said, he said, but the seed that fell into good ground. Yeah, brought yeah. forth. And as farmers, we're trying to make all our ground good ground. That's right. So that when that seed hits that dirt, it ex the life explodes. Well, the seed dies, but the seed, the life in it explodes. And that one seed, I'll give you just one example. I won't, I won't belabor the point. But just take corn, for instance. One good. It's a corn. great example. My, my grandmother used to grow corn, and I've heard 
numbers about this. So go ahead and tell us this. This will be a good example I can even identify with. One, put one seed in the ground and the average ear of corn will produce 800 more seed on that ear, on one ear. And a lot of, and a lot of stalks produce more than one ear. We're just talking about average numbers here because it can explode way past what I'm talking about. I know Jesus said 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, but now, in, but, but now that one corn seed, one ear of corn, average 800, so it's going to, that seed will, ex, the life will explode, reproduce itself up to 800 plus times, and, and here we go. But, so, but first it has to go into the ground, we uh, lose control of it, we lose access to it, and it dies. That's right. We lose control of it. We have to release it. And everything's at stake. There used to be an old, I, I used to be an old saying when I was a kid, they, they'd say, don't eat your seed corn. I've heard that. My grandmother yeah. used to say that. Yeah, because yep. you're out of business. You got nothing to plant. Yeah, you have to take care of that seed. And, and yet that care to not eat the seed corn, don't make it into bread, don't use it to make corn muffins, you know, et cetera, et cetera. At the same time, then you take this precious commodity that you have saved, that you've guarded, that you've cared for, that you make sure the mice aren't eating it, that you're keeping it dry, that it's not rotting, all these things to preserve it. And then you turn around and at the right time, you stick it in the ground and let it go. That is your next year's crop. Yep. And you protect By the way, it. let me mention to our audience that, Brother Patrick, we're going to link two sermons. One of them he's already done and second one is in the process for his congregation in Bastrop. Um, is it Bastrop, Louisiana or Bastrop, Mississippi? Louisiana. All right, Bastrop, Louisiana. He's right on the corner of three states. So That's right. Um, yeah. And so he, we're going to link those in our media archive, and he'll have a lot more detail where he is sharing about the farm, about farming, and about the gospel. So a lot of this tonight, we're going to hop, skip, and jump around a little bit. Don't be frustrated. We're going to have even more resources that you can go and 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 get the background on okay so we've talked about the seed so now you plant seed and then you go out and start harvesting the next day right yeah right <laughs> what yeah, yeah. you don't oh. get you don't immediately see a return oh my word you've got you talk about, talk about the weight then tell tell me about this weight because that's what I'm in the middle of right now. We're planting seed. Woo. Most of our, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Most of our crops are what we call 120-day crops. That's why Jesus said, don't say four months. See, mm. four months times 30, four times 30, yep. 120. So when I say I'm, most of our crops were 120 days, and I'm talking about from planting Till the time it's dried down enough to where we could mechanically harvest it, 120 days. I know the crop will be physiologically mature in 90 days or less, but you can't mechanically harvest it until it's dried down, and and that takes about 120 days. So, uh, yeah. So this 120 days, that's just the growing season, as we call it. Now, boy, the Bible's agriculture is all about seasons and windows. All right. I mean, so I, and it so mirrors the kingdom of God. I, I just, I just believe there's seasons in, in, in the way that the kingdom of God operates. 
And uh, I know Jesus throws us a little curve every once in a while here, especially with that comment about don't say there's four months to the harvest. But that's a different that's a different topic. When we put that seed in the ground and that life explodes, then then farmers are thinking, okay, how can I get this plant to reproduce and then get it to harvest to the harvest season? Well, we've got it's fraught with risk. I mean, if if the if the Lord of the harvest is kind to us and gives us good seasons, and so where we have opportunity to nurture that little young plant, because it is it's subject to uh, too much rain, not enough rain. Uh, the insects go to eating on it. Oh my goodness, our our disease. There's 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 a million diseases that attack. So. You've got insects, disease, and 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 heaven help us with the weeds. I, Dr. Beardsley, I came along at the right time when modern science was giving us serious tools to combat the weeds. Now you talk about spiritual analogies. We Absolutely. Could use the- I was going to say Jesus talked about that a whole bunch, didn't he? Oh well, I, I, I in fact, it, you'll be lucky if you get me off this thing tonight without talking about weeds a little bit, uh, because the analogy is so powerful, and I and I lived that. I watched that. But you got to fight, you know, when, when, when God told Adam, you're going to have to earn your bread by the sweat of your brow. Adam had no idea what he was fixing to get into because the weeds are more aggressive than when, when God cursed the ground, then the weeds became more aggressive than the plants you're trying to raise for food. So you just, you're just in a fight. And then you got the insects and you got the diseases and, and, and it's a miraculous to me today. When I was at LSU a hundred years, well, not quite a hundred years ago, <laughs> but they were telling us, boys, we can't produce enough food to feed the world. The population, the population of the world is fixed to outstrip our ability to feed them. We're headed for famine. You boys got to do something. We got, you got to produce. Well, what they didn't know then and what the uh, genetic engineering the genetic engineers were able to do that nobody could have imagined is that they unlocked the God given ability in those plants to produce beyond anybody's imagination. The, you know, you and I can imagine what it was like in the garden of Eden, or at least I can because being around agriculture and seeing, and seeing the power of the plants to reproduce that, that, that Adam didn't, he could manage the garden, but he didn't have to work it because uh, it, it was it was producing. And so, even when God pro- cursed the ground, that that explosive potential is still in those plants. It's just there's so so many things working against it, and and you know, and in, in, in the spirit world, I, I believe you know, in, in the church, in the kingdom of God, there's explosive potential like that. It just takes so much work and so much effort to get it unlocked. And it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for those that don't want to work hard. I mean, it's it's like farming. Uh, you just got to love it, be passionate about it to, 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 to see it unlocked. But anyway, the, the uh, genetic engineers came along and here we sit 50 years later and, and agriculture is able, and, and the population of the world is way, way, way more than it was 50 years ago. And yet we're still able to produce enough food with the help of the Lord to feed this this population. But Getting those plants to you got to cultivate, you got to fight all those 
obstacles and you got to water. The Bible likes to talk about planting, watering, and harvesting, and watering is a big part of it. Uh, rainfall pr produces some of that, but irrigation has become a major component in our ability to produce the quantities of food that we do today. So, see, you you water, you you're you're a as a pastor, you plant, you water, just like I did in the natural world. But God gives the increase. I well, let me plant. ask you. Let me ask you a question about that. Then. Come on. So, I'm a I'm I can I term myself a control freak. All right. <laughs> I like to control my world. Yeah. I like to control what's happening. I like to have control of what's happening. So you name all these things that you do. Okay. So you, you, you take the risk, you take your seed, you take it from its safe place. You put it into the ground, which is by your description, not a safe place because all kinds of things can get to it. Disease, insects, weeds, weather, adverse weather can get to it. You take steps, but in the end, is the farmer in control? Oh, no, that it's like Paul said, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And hey, and Dr. Beardley, as much as I want to control it, it I could do all I could do. And in the end, I could tell my wife, baby, it's up to the Lord what, whether we have a harvest at all or whatever amount of harvest we have. It comes down to what he does. I, I can do my part, but he is the Lord of the harvest. The harvest belongs to him. And so whether we have a harvest or what, it, it's, it's up to him. And this is true in the physical world. So obviously it's true in the spiritual world. Right. So we, we don't really get the claim this is our harvest. This is oh. his harvest, even though we participated in the process. Right. He's got a part for us to play, and it's crucial that we do our part. It, the process won't work if we don't do our part. He, he'll do his part. Now, to what degree and how he does it, we don't have any control over that. But and it when is, he does it, because it'll it because seasons are seasons inside of a year, but then there's also seasons of years back to back, and then other years that aren't such back to back success. That is a great point, and I wish I could describe that to where everybody could understand. In in one year, in once in one agricultural year, there's seasons, but then if you take a lifetime, you take the forty years I farmed, I can see seasons in that 40 years to where, you know, these, these, so yeah, I, and I'm not, I, I'm not equipped to, to really describe that part of it really well, but you see what, what I mean. Well, and I think, I think this is not to get off on a topic that everybody right now is going to groan when I say this, but this is where the concept of the Sabbath year comes in because as you and I both could get into the chemistry, didn't you, did you do, did you also study chemistry while you were in school? I almost had a minor in chemistry. Now, I don't mean to, get to sound bragging, but I was in life sciences, and I thought I was going to be a veterinarian. And so they throwed lots of chemistry on us, physical, right. organic. So, yeah, so, I had a so, lot of chemistry. So, so from the chemistry, you know that life-giving, when you put that seed into the ground, life-giving takes something out of the ground. Yes. And then over time, that ground has to have a season of rejuvenation. That has to have a season of it recouping itself oh. and that 
looks to me like what God was going at with the Sabbath. He says, you give your fields time to rejuvenate. And of course, science has proven that now. And we now know that you don't strip your fields. You, you plant them in such a way and you plant different things in those fields because different plants do different things to different fields. Am I right? Absolutely. Now you could get, you can really get me started. What you just said triggered about a half a dozen different directions, and I don't even know which one to go in. Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll leave that for perhaps another interview. I want to take us to one more place before we go to before we go to, to questions, and uh, and that is in farming. One of the things we also talked about. So we've talked about the desire to keep the seed because it's tangible. And when we put it into the ground, which is what brings life, we lose control of it. it we lose, we can't touch it. We have to leave it alone. Then we talk about the season of it in the ground and even becoming a plant and the risk and the weight. There's things we're doing, but there's a lack of control. Talk to us a little bit about one of the things we also talked about is can, can a farmer can a farm ever get to a place that it's safe? No. <laughs> that, you, that you get to where you've got such a stockpile of seed and you've got the ground all tilled and all manicured and all ready to go. And so that it you've got enough buffer that farming becomes comfortable. Talk to us about this, about growth, not just oh. of the individual seeds and of the plants, but of the overall farm made up of different fields and made up of all of these plants and made up of the seasons. Can you ever get to a safe status quo? Uh, oh, wow. That, that's one of the most dangerous places for a farmer to ever go. If he tries to settle into a safe place, he has just started the process of failure. When he settles in, that's why Jesus framed the, the, the rich fool, uh, the parable yeah. of the farmer that had bumper crops. I'm going to build big barns. I'm going to keep all this stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to eat, drink and be, Jesus is telling us, he's saying, there is no safe place. All right. And if you try to do that, you just triggered the beginning of failure. And of course that was a very harsh and abrupt. He said, okay, you're okay. Now, in the natural world, and I'm going to tell you what I live. I'll give you two examples. Good. One is unique to row crop agriculture in that by the we would start in the spring, and by the time we got to August, September, which is right before harvest, it, it depending on which crops we plant, it just it's all in. Everything's out there. I tell my wife in August, okay, baby, all the money's out there in the dirt. There is no reserve. It's all, I mean, everything that we had to make a crop with, all the money started the year. Here's our money. We're going to make a crop. By the time we got pre-harvest, this is the scary time. There, No, there is no safe time in farming. If you try to be safe in farming, if you try to get to a place, uh, you, you're just on your way out. It may take a while, but you're on your way out. At the very least, you're going to stagnate. You're not going to grow. And, and so anyway, I'll get to that in a minute. But, but, but I think this has a direct 
parallel to the to the spiritual world because it requires you at some point to go all in and, and, you know and it's all out there and there's nothing yet ready to to sell and, and come back so there's a real scary time when you've put it all out there and it hadn't nothing started coming back yet you you believe in the process of the harvest you believe in the process of sowing and reaping and you know that god has promised a harvest and there's a heart yeah but but it's not there yet and it's all out there now for levon and i and those at farm they'll understand what i'm talking about that's a real tense you know period of time right in there okay the, the second example I'd want to give is that when a farmer decided, okay, I'm through, I'm through growing, you know, I'm happy with the size of my farm, with the equipment I got, with the money I've got in reserve. I like where I'm at. This, this feels good. So I'm just going to coast on out. I'm just going to coast on in, finish out like I am. It, 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 it what happens though is all of a sudden now you you stop growing, you start to stagnate. And in a, in a real brutal, in a real brutal world, what happened, and I saw it happen, witnessed it happen, those that said, okay, I'm not, I don't want to grow anymore. It was only a matter of time before they were out of business because you have to grow, you have to expand. It, you, you have to increase the number of acres that you farm is what I'm trying to say. Yet you have to you have to increase your operation because your cost, your expenses, they never stop growing. You say, I like my income right here. I like this amount of acres. I like this right here. I'm just gonna stay right here and I'm gonna coast in. Well, what, what's happening to you is 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 the cost, the expenses, but are, are are steady moving, but you're not moving with it. So what's gonna happen at some point, you're overwhelmed by it. And you're no longer a viable operation. Is a part of is a part of this risk not only growth in acreage, um, but is it is it growth in methods? Is it growth in oh. how you approach it? So let's let's start, Desi. You can type up and tell folks to start pumping their questions at us. This is my final question for tonight. There's so much more, brother Patrick. We can talk about. I'll have to have you come back again. Um, and I got to do it. I'm like, your kids don't, they don't get you. I want, I want to have more conversation with you. So we're going to have to do it after my sabbatical. When I get back, we'll, we'll have you on again, but I want to ask one more question. It's a leading question because we've talked about this before. So folks don't think I'm smart on farming. I'm really not. I just spent about four hours with the man a few months back and I listened there. And so I've tried to recreate some of those salient points. So talk a little bit about, and then we'll move into questions. Talk a little bit about generational movement so in other words you come back and you come farming under levon's dad is that correct yeah. and he's got one mode that served his day and served his and here comes this young upstart got a bs in agronomy and blah 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 and you want to start using tell a little bit of that story my father-in-law been a very successful farmer for 35 years and when i got out of college uh, they were telling us, boys, we got problems. And they were describing my father-in-law and his generation of farmers. And uh, he said, we're using up the organic matter and soil. And, I, and I, I, I'll try to keep the details to a minimum. The big picture was when I first started working with him, he'd say, you see that guy over there? He's not going to make it because he's trying to do everything like his grandpa did. 
He's trying to farm like his grandfather, and you can't do that. You got to change. You got to adapt. You you've got to you've got to you know. There's better farming methods, but he wants to do it. I'm doing it this way because my, you know, my dad and my grandfather did it this way, and that worked for them. That's good enough for me. And my father-in-law would tell me he's going out. He's not going to make it, and he was right. Well, then I come along, and now he's the old man. And I'd say, hey, we need some crop rotation. We need some irrigation. We're getting hammered. The organic matter that in, was in this soil when you cleared it, it's about used up. He's raising one crop of soybeans, no irrigation, no crop rotation. And, and, and he's saying, we don't need all that. He said, I've been here 35 years. This has worked fine. This is always going to work fine. And I'm thinking, now, this is the man that told me, you got to doubt. But now he's telling me what I'm doing is fine. We don't need to change anything. And so. As in he did not feel it was necessary to irrigate? No, he was resistant. He said, we don't need to irrigate. I haven't had to irrigate for 35 years. Why should we have to do that now? Well, we just, 1980, I could tell you the stories. You'll hear this. If, 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 if they listen to the, to the lessons that I'm teaching, you know, uh, uh, about farming and, and the way I kind of, the title that was what is farming got to do with going to heaven and uh i talk about that a little more so i, I won't i won't stay there but we had we had nearly two not cl near crop failures in four years 1980 1983 like took us under and and anyway he, he said we don't need irrigation we don't need crop rotation you know the, every the way i'm doing it's worked fine for 35 years we don't need to change anything until that 1983 and then he said, oh, what if, if you were to do some irrigation and some crop rotation, what would you do? So we got a plan together and we got with it. And look, it's, it, the Lord used that to prepare us for the next 30 years. You know, working in some new methods, as you mentioned a while ago. The crop so, now, so now your methods are good and they, they'll work for the next 100 years, right? No, no, no. <laughs> I've only been, hey, Dr. Beardsley, I've already, I've only been out of it since, since uh, 2012, eight years. And if I tried to go back into it right now, I would, look, methods change so rapidly, seed varieties, chemicals, uh, the equipment, I'd have to be re-educated. You think a guy that's farmed 40 years, he could just waltz right back out there and just pick it up where he left off. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, you better. So the, so the principles of life and of the seed don't change, but the applications are constantly Dram changing. Dramatically. And you've got, and it's so uncomfortable. I don't like it. Now I'm the old man. See, yeah. now I'm the old man. And I'm saying, I don't like this. I don't like that. I want to do it like I've always done. Yeah. But, 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 and my brain's screaming at me, Kendall, you're doing the same thing your father-in-law did. You're doing the same thing those other. You got to be open to the new methods, and so I'm trying. But boy, this 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 mentality, you know, when you hit, you get older, you don't want to change because everything I've done in the past worked, but now it's not working. So what do we do? And see, folks, we're in the middle of this, and here, Desi, I'm gonna I'm gonna have us step back a little bit. We've gotten more than enough in for for the concept to get out, but we're facing this with COVID-19, Brother Patrick. I believe we're facing a new enemy. And I believe it's both physical and spiritual. 
But I also think the Lord of the Harvest is kind of smiling at us and saying, have I really changed? Or have you just gotten married up to the methods uh, and are more relying on the methods than you are on the Lord of the Harvest? That's what we do. And boy, it's it's uncomfortable, isn't it? It's, it's, it's extremely uncomfortable. And it's uncomfortable on an individual level, but it's also uncomfortable on a corporate level. And that's where I tried to talk about, you know, the individual farmer, the individual seed, the individual field, but then also the larger, the farm, the, the compilation of people working together or a farm community, a compilation of people. And so the church has to adapt. It has to figure out. And so many times we think that adaptation is somehow we're compromising. No, no, no. You can't, you can't compromise on truth because truth doesn't bow to anyone. Seeds are seeds. You're, you're not going to get to be able to change the Lord of the Harvest mechanism that is principle. But the methods by which we battle the enemies, the methods by which we approach things, those were called to continue to innovate. We're called to continue to be challenged in. You, you triggered something. If, you, if we got time for me to throw one more quick thing in there, or do I just need to stop? One more. You can throw one more. I've already blown our timeline all out of the water. So I'm sorry. No, that's my fault. Throw one more in, and then Desi, it's I, yours. I'll get it. Okay. Okay. Look, the way the natural world is designed, and I think it mirrors the kingdom of God and this world in this regard, we would whip a spectrum of weeds or insects or diseases. You know, we would whip on it and we just about get that kind of, I could name the weeds. It wouldn't mean anything to you, but this spectrum of weeds was, was horrendous. And then we kind of got them under control. And when we eliminated, pretty much eliminated them, guess what happened? A weed we'd never heard of, an insect we never heard of, a disease we never heard of jumped in there to fill the void. We created a void. We got evil whipped, right? Yeah, we done figured it out. We we done figured out how to whip the devil, right? We got it all. No, we get those we we get them whipped down, and and something would pop up that nobody ever heard of, and here we would go again. How what are we gonna do? We don't have any tools. We don't have any knowledge of this. So we would have everybody would have to jump in there working together, saying we need a new method, new equipment, new herbicides, new insecticides, and everybody go to work saying we got to figure out how to address this new problem. Well, if we'd have tried to keep doing what we'd been doing, it would have just wiped us out. You can't stagnate, but evil won't let you stack. Or if you try to, evil will overwhelm you. It would That's have overwhelmed right. us and put us out That's of business. Right. That's right. That's you, right. You, yeah. So, okay. I'll, I'll stop. All right. All right. Desi, do we have questions? I hope folks that you are thinking this through both in personal application and in corporate application. I'm terrified, people. I don't know what I'm doing, but the Lord of the Harvest is telling us what to do. And I'm like, ah, you got to be kidding me. This makes no sense. This is what my daddy did. It's all in. <laughs> it's all in. That's all right, Desi, yep. take, take so, us to some questions. Sure. We have several. Let me lead off with a question that's not on there, but just for our audience, daddy, you say row cropping. Please tell our audience what row cropping is and what you farmed for 40 years? Great question. Soybeans, uh, corn, uh, rice, wheat, milo, uh, grain sorghum is milo, bird seed. You go, you go to the store, you buy some bird seed, that's milo, yeah, a grain sorghum. And they all I grow think, in rows. Is that the deal? They all grow in rows? Is that why it's called row, row, row farming? Crop. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Just want to make sure everybody was clear on that. So you spent 40 years doing row cropping, basically different kinds of grain. That's right. That's right. Okay. Just wanted to make sure that was, you didn't grow cabbages no. or, or other did, things like that. I Not that there's different. anything wrong with that, but I'm saying you were a grain farmer. That's Thank what you, you did. That's was a good, yeah, thank you. You're absolutely. All right. So question, do you feel that churches go through seasons of planting, and growing, and winnowing and harvesting and these different things you've talked about? Absolutely. They go through seasons. And, and the easy part for me, since I understand the seasons of farming, is it, may, it doesn't alarm me or surprise me at all that churches go through seasons of planting, watering, cultivating, fertilizing, and then, and then the harvest. Oh, yeah. Individuals go through that. Churches go through that collectively, corporately, as Dr. Beersley says. Absolutely, I do. Now, I will... Do you, do you want me to inject a little curveball there or just leave, leave it alone? No, you, you inject whatever you want. <laughs> we like curveballs. Well, this one always bothered me a little bit, and I felt like the Lord helped me understand. When Jesus said, don't say there's 120 days to the harvest, it's white and, look, it's white in the harvest. We just need laborers. Well, I think I've, I think I've lived to see that. And, and, what I, and what I saw is, I'll give you one quick example. Well, no, we don't have time for that. But in the natural world, uh, for me to have to look out and the harvest is already ready, that means somebody went before me and planted and watered. And I just came along at the harvest. I just showed up when the harvest. So I've lived to see where I was in on the harvest of other people's planting and watering that I don't even know. I don't even know those people. I don't even know who they are. But yeah. they planted, they watered, and I, I came along, and I saw the harvest. So you get to just harvest? That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. But here's, here's the flip side of that, Desi. You're not going to see the harvest to a lot of – I say you. I'm talking about me and you and all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we're not going to get to see the, all the harvest either. We're going right. to plant. We're going to water. And somebody so else you don't, is – You don't get to just harvest, walk onto other people's fields. And harvest and it also means we don't get to see everything we plant either is that what you're saying i'm saying you can plant or we plant we water but some of that harvest is going to be done by somebody else because the harvest is not going to be ready till we're we've moved on or we're off the scene or whatever yeah. and i could give a, a real world example of that but i don't i don't know that we've got time for that we're running long tonight give one Quick example, Daddy. All right, Scotty. You know Scotty. You met Scotty before. We I do, but ex explain that. And and this is a great story. Yeah. So so Scotty was raised in a godly home, but he didn't want to go to church. So he was resistant, and then, and, and and as long as his mama could force him, he'd go. But when he when his daddy finally gave up, and mama he overwhelmed his mother, and he quit going to church. And so his mama prayed for him. His mama planted. His mama water. He had, he had godly uncles. He had the family that were godly people and they prayed for him, but they all died and make a long story short, Scotty got to be in his sixties. He had a stroke. He went to a nursing home and he, he, he didn't care anything about church. And, but, but he and I grew up in the same community. I knew his family and I was at the nursing home one day visiting a friend of ours and there he is. I didn't, I didn't even know he was there. And so anyway, long story short, we ended up taking him to church, picking him up in the lift van. You know the story. 
he got the whole, he repented. He got the Holy Ghost. We, it took six men to pick him up, put him in a, in a baptismal tank and baptism. He, all those people that planted and watered in his life, they didn't get to see it. They we, were already gone. They were all gone, but we saw the harvest. How old was he? He was 70, probably 70 or 71 when he was, got the Holy Ghost and was baptized. So that's, that's what I mean. I got the harvest. There was a harvest there that I didn't plant. I didn't water. No, you walked into a nursing home and met this guy. Right. So anyway, that helps me. I think that kind of helps me understand part of what Jesus was talking about. Don't say it's 120 days. You're thinking about if you do all the planting and you do all the watering, then you'll have a harvest. I'm telling you, there is a harvest that other people have planted and other people have watered. You just got to, you just got to get busy. You just got to get in there. So gener think, generational transfer becomes important then. Yes, it does. Yes. Sir. Yeah. Would you and compare not only to receive from the preceding generation, but to have enough vision that work I'm doing now is going to be passed on to another generation yes. and I may never see it. Exactly. That's what's going to happen. And you, but you believe in the process of sowing and reaping. So it's going to work, even though you don't get to see it, you played a part in it. Yeah. So I think that's very powerful. Do not be weary in well-doing for in do season. season. I hate that word do. Hey, and finish that verse, Dr. Beardsley. Yeah, if, in due season you will reap if you faint not. If you faint not. Can I, hey, I know I'm not doing my questions justice, but my father-in-law used to have a saying. He'd say, Kendall, this is a great life if you don't weaken. And when if I read that weaken. scripture, yeah, if you yeah. don't weaken. And when I read that scripture where, where Paul says, in due season you'll reap if you faint not. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, that's pretty powerful to me because farming and, and, and pastoring and, and ministry, it's, it's a hard, it's hard work. And you really, hey, Desi, who knew an old farmer knew this much, huh? Imagine, <laughs> huh? <laughs> it's almost like there's some sort of God ordained connection between farming and our spiritual walk. Sure. Sure. Looks that way. That's why I think mm -hmm. the Lord said to me back, little ways where I'm I was being obedient brother Patrick but I was scared to death and he said go talk to the farmer wow I can't church I can't tell you how much my conversation with brother Patrick and we're not giving it justice we got one hour here a little bit more and and we'll have to you have spent back. the afternoon and evening with him oh absolutely yeah. it's been a long time four or five hours I spent listening just listening to the stories that confirmed in the physical was in the spiritual all right does yeah. take us to some questions or they're going to shoot us man we're going question to would you compare farming to our walk of faith and I think you've You've pretty much already answered that. We talked about how we have cycles in church, but also do you see parallels between farming and our personal walk? Oh my word. Farming is a labor of faith. Farming is faith every day. I mean, every day the farmer's thinking about the harvest. So he's got faith. He's got to have faith in the process of sowing and reaping or he's not going to work out there. He's not going to do all that work if he doesn't believe in the process. So is there faith? That's what farming is, is a labor of faith. He, Absolutely. He's hoping for what's not yet. Whew. And he's, and he's, and he's believing in that, which he can't see yet. Exactly. You see the mirror. You just see the, the high mirrors. Oh yeah. Okay. 
So we have multiple different people asking questions about you telling stories because you're a great storyteller. I'm going to skip to one of my favorite just to help give an example of someone asked, can you share some stories? We don't have time for stories, plural, but how, how God blessed your farming and, and your business in unexpected ways. Please share. And you actually have more than one. So I'll let you pick. But pair, share a story about a time. We're talking about these seasons and how we've got this idea of what's supposed to happen and how one time you had this horribly, horribly late planting season compared to all of your neighbors and how that actually ended up saving you in the end due to some storms that came down the road the lord saved the lord taught me a lesson that i needed desperately to learn and so okay i'll try to streamline think of the spring think of it's planting season and i'm planting one of the crops we're raising is rice and so it's time to plant rice and it rains on our farm and, and, and just a small area there. It just keeps raining on our farm and I can't plant. And everybody around me is planting. The whole county's planting. The whole Mississippi River Valley's planting their rice crop. But your farm, literally, your farm literally. keeps getting rain. Yeah, I'm telling Levon, what is the deal? It's and how big is your farm? I know this again, but just so, so we're not talking like 10 acres, are we? 2,400 acres. As in 2,400 acres. 2,400 acres. That's what about four square miles, correct? Right. Right. Four, yeah. uh, like a two mile by two mile square. Right. And this chunk of land gets rain and rain and rain and rain and rain. Now, why can you not get in there to plant because it keeps raining? What's the problem with that? Well, the, the ground has to be, it has to be dry on top for us to run our equipment, run our grain drill. Okay. Right. So the ground is too muddy for you to get a tractor out there and right. plant. Right. We can't plant. Everybody else, they got their rice up. They, they've got their levees up. What They're, does that mean, rice up? What does that mean? Well, I mean, it, the, they planted their seed. The plants have come up. And the so rice, it's already sprouting. The rice, so, is, so the, their rice yeah. is this tall. They got six. You, you got to move your hands back, Daddy. They can't see. They, they got rice this tall, and my seed's still in the bag. I can't get my rice crop planted. And I'm saying, Lord, why are you picking on me? <laughs> what? what What? did I do wrong? What did I miss? Please tell me, why are you raining on us and, and the whole rest of the country? I literally, literally, it was one of the most, I'm talking about the whole Mississippi River floodplain. Everybody's wants to plant rice, and there was lots of it. They, they're up. They're going. They, they got their crops going, and my seed's still in the bag. So finally... Finally, have we got time for me to finish this story? Yeah, yep. we do. Go okay. ahead. Okay, finally. We're running over tonight, folks. Just know that ahead of time. And that's my fault, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my dad, let me insert a real quick story here. A little boy one time wanted to go play in the nursery. My dad says, you can't play in the nursery. The rules are you have to be uh, two years or younger to play in the nursery. The little boy says, but I want to play in the nursery. He says, you can't. It's the rules. The little boy looked at my dad and he says, you made the rules. Change them. <laughs> I'm the one that said this broadcast was going one hour. So, folks, I'm not going to do it very often, but I'm going to change the rules. We're going to run a little over here. Go ahead, Brother Patrick. Yeah. All right. So everybody else has rice that's already eight inches tall. Yeah. And you haven't even planted yet. No. And I'm feeling, you know, I, I hate to admit it in front of the whole world, but my attitude was really suffering. And I just felt like the Lord was, he was, I don't know why. Why are you, why are you? Yeah. So anyway, my attitude wasn't too good. And, and, and so finally we get a chance to plant 
How late are you? Oh, oh my goodness. I'm probably five to, let's just say a month. I'm a month behind everybody. You're at least a month late planting. Right. I'm a month late. So, so I'd even considered, but anyway, so we plant the rice and finally get it going, finally get it started. And, and all year long, I'm watching, I have to watch for the entire growing season. I have to watch my neighbors. Oh, you know, they're, they're a month ahead of me and I'm feeling picked on the entire growing season, the entire four months. I've still got a, a bit of an attitude because the Lord said, I mean, he delayed my, and I don't understand, you know, so. And it's not like you did something. It's not like you were negligent. Oh, no. It literally rained on your farm for so long and the ground was so muddy, you couldn't plant while all your neighbors did. Yes. And, and I was ready. So we get to harvest, Desi. Of course, you know the story. But, folks, we get to the harvest. And you're and not ready to harvest. I'm not. My, 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 rice, my rice is green. It's a month behind. But everybody else's rice, the heads have turned over. They got all these beautiful. What does that mean, turned over? Well, when, when, when rice is immature, the heads come out, they stick straight up. But when they fill up with grain and get heavy, and as they mature, you can always know that you're getting close to harvest when those heads turn over. So their rice has a bunch of grain, the, yeah. what we call rice. The stalks oh, yeah. are full of rice now. Yeah. Bent over. And those heads are turned over, and they all got the combine. What do your heads look like? And mine's still sticking straight up. Yeah. Mine's still in the milk stage. I mean, we're a month behind. So, so but then the hurricane and the storms showed up. They're hard. Like a literal hurricane showed up. Oh, yeah. Up. I'm talking about, I'm talking about, I'm talking about 70, 80 mile straight line winds, you know, coming off a storm. Let's just say a storm where, where there was a hurricane. Mm -hmm. It was my memory just got it. The terrible storms came through our area, 70, 80 mile straight line winds and all those fields that were ready to harvest were blown down flat folks i don't know if you can see my hands or not but they're all there right and look the greatest nightmare in the world for a rice farmer is when his rice blows down in the water why because now instead of being able to run through it when they're standing up straight you just run through there and you just cut those heads off and, and harvest is so easy and it's so fast. You know, you're just making great progress. But when that stuff lays down on the ground flat in the water and you got to go, it's creep, it's barely moved now. And, and, and you're trying to pick that stalk up and get those heads. And, and, the, and, and you, instead of taking just a little portion of the stalk, you're having to take all that wet stalk and you're breaking the belts. It's just, it's a nightmare. So it messes up your equipment. It's muddy. It's messy. You got all this extra stuff mixed with your grain. Yeah. And guess whose rice was still standing? Why was it still standing? Because ours wasn't mature. It, was, it, it wasn't heavy with the it weight. It wasn't heavy enough to bend over. No, the stalks were still green. So you see, when the stalks mature, they, they, they die and dry. So they're very brittle, and it's easy for them to fall over. That's why harvest is such a crucial time. But but before that, they're green, and you can blow them with 70, 80-mile-hour winds, and there's, there's no weight there. It's just like blowing grass. It's just it's, it's, it's not, it's not going to lay down. 
And then my light came on and the Lord taught me one of the most valuable lessons I have ever learned. And, and I, you know, son, I've been taking care of you the whole time and you've been griping and complaining and feel like you was picked on. And from the very start, I was protecting you. When I was raining on you and delaying your planting, I knew these storms were coming and I knew all these other folks' rice was gonna go mm -hmm. down. And I, I kept you from planting to protect you. And I'm going, oh my, oh, I am so sorry. I, I, I apologize. I'm still apologizing. That's been 20 years ago. And I still, when I think about it, I say, Lord, I'm sorry for having such a terrible attitude when you were protecting me. And I thought you would, I, I, I thought you were picking on me. I am sorry. I learned a very valuable lesson. And now when things don't go just right, I look around and I say, okay, okay, let's give the Lord time to work his plan. Just repeat that statement. Yeah. Yeah, when when things, things are not when things are not going like you want them to, when it looks like everybody else is is prospering and you're not, just you got to trust the Lord that He's working His plan. And and what looks to you like you may I'm being picked on, no no, God's protecting you. He's 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 keeping you from what's coming. He's taking yeah. So wow, I mean that was a life lesson. And to this day, okay, I'll stop. So to him who has ears to hear. <laughs> Ooh, I can tell you. Anyway, we're out of time. I can't keep telling these stories. but uh, now, Hey, folks, now you know why I had Brother Patrick on. It has absolutely nothing to do with Rachel. Rachel's going to claim this. It's her <laughs> daddy. It's I'm telling you, folks, it has. I met him through Rachel. That's it. Rachel has nothing to do with this. This is all about Kendall Patrick. It's about a farmer. He's got some insights. I'm telling you, when we get those, when we get those two lessons up from him, one of them will be up within this week. The other one will be a little bit delayed. Go and listen to him. There's more richness that this old farmer's got to tell you that has to do with our lives individually and has to do with the life of the church. And I'm telling you, man, it's rich stuff. Question. Does discernment play into the wisdom of how you select a method for the people you're trying to help connect with Jesus? She talked about these different methods of farming and trying to figure oh. out what to do. Do you feel that you make an analogy of that, that as we're trying to work with people and lead them to Christ? Uh, Did I you reach everybody the same way? Everybody you've worked with. The Bible says no? it takes a wise man to win a soul. And in that wisdom is knowing when to do what. You need the unction and the leading of God to get it right. Farming's the same way. You need the you need the unction of God to help you walk through that those seasons, so that you do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. But I I tell you another if you got time I'll tell you another little saying my father-in-law used to have. It took me a while to buy into it. I didn't understand it at first. He said, "Kendall, if you'll do just fifty percent of what you're supposed to do when it needs to be done, you can stay in this line of work." I, I don't know if I've ever you ever heard me say that before mm. when he first said that i thought what what is he talking about what well, he's talking so about time it, so time and mattered a whole lot oh oh it's crucial the windows now you're talking about a soul you're talking about a person you're talking about the spirit of the lord trying to draw them to a place of repentance oh my goodness the timing is crucial the the windows are crucial and so you've got to have the discernment you've got to have the leading of the holy ghost to get it right there we go so you've yeah. got to have the leading of, of the spirit 
to help you get that right because you can't figure that window out by yourself no sir you don't know what's in the heart you don't know what window you don't know what season that heart is in you need the option of god to, 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 to give you the wisdom to know what to do and when to do it <laughs> sure so yeah. one of our young people asked the question daddy you talked about planting rice and different row crops and things and so they asked because i'm sure they've seen it and learned it in their history is this rice like we see oftentimes in Asia where it's terraced on the side of a hill or, or does it look different than that? That's a great question. Uh, if you, if you will vision the pictures of the rice in Asia that's raised in what we call a paddy, paddy where where, where there's a, there's a certain area of water, like a pond or, or mm -hmm. just an area of shallow water there. And it's all about the same elevation and there's their rice. We'll try to visualize in America, we're doing a similar process, but on a much larger scale. For instance, we'd have 40 acre fields, 80 acre fields uh, that we would treat as one entity and take an 80 acre. It's a square 40 acres big full of rice. It is. But it, is it on a hillside? No. Like no, no, terraced no. or? No, no, no. What, what we do uh, is we, we level those fields, which is hiring big machinery to move the dirt and get the elevation. Uh, and I'll, I'll try to keep away from the terminology there. Uh, but what it, what it does is it allows us to plant that field and then run levees and we make a series of paddies so that the water, so the ground is flat. It, it's, it's slight. It, it, it's, it looks flat driving by but it's got a slight fall to it, like 1500s, two, two tenths. And I know that terminology is not going to mean anything to anybody, but, but it is a slight elevation. It is a slight fall. Okay. So that you can put the water in at the front on the top of the field and it will move through that paddy and it'll go into the next paddy and the next paddy. Slowly, slowly ease through the field. And that's yeah. the way we, that's, that's our weed control. Is it hilly country where you farm? Oh no, we are envision the Mississippi. Is this beautiful country? We're swamp. Hey, this is a cleared swamp. That's what it is. It's play. It's flat. I'm being mean. It's it's ugly, flat, brown, muddy swamp. You got to be raised here to, I guess, to see the beauty in it. Desi comes from the West Coast, and it all looks like a ugly swamp to him. But yeah. I, that's I grew okay. up with real mountains. This is a different conversation <laughs> for another time. I remember quick random story here yeah, i'm with him and he's like you know just over that what was it a hill or a mound or yeah, whatever said, you're talking about and hill. i'm looking i'm standing in the middle of this field and i'm looking it's flat as far as the eye can see and i'm looking for this hill he's referencing right he's like you know just over that little mound and i'm looking i'm looking i'm looking and if I, he's talking about something that's waist high yeah well it's a little it's a little I'm looking, it's a little ridge it's i'm looking little, for this 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 thing out, you yeah. know we're talking about something the height of a trash can and that's I mean, his idea of a mound can, anybody can see that little high spot out there but desi's going the high spot i'm it. looking for the high spot hey desi i had the same response i'm gonna get all the louisianans mad at me i'm thinking the same thing when i finally as an adult through quizzing i went to the hallowed holy place of Tioga, Louisiana. Mm. The stories I'd heard of the camp meeting oh. at Tioga, Louisiana. Louisiana campgrounds. And I mean, I'm looking for And a it was Mecca. a resort, right? I'm looking for a new Jerusalem. I'm looking for something. 
I love the quiz there, but folks, all my Louisiana friends, if you see this, don't get mad at me, but I was distinctly underwhelmed. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I was distinctly underwhelmed. I was like, it's got to be a hey, Holy Ghost move here because it's not the campground. Can I tell you a, a Desi story or would I get in trouble for that? Sure. Oh, we love Desi, Desi stories. Story. <laughs> we were Desi was down. And we were going through those same kind of little piney hills like you're describing. It's at Tioga. Yeah. Just miles and miles of pine trees. And Desi kind of tapped on the window and he looked out there and he said, why would anybody want to live out here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, now you came to see my mother before she passed away. Different story for another oh, time. Yeah. And you actually got to go see the Northwest with that's, me for one. That's not fair. That's not a fair comparison. That's beautiful. Yeah. I don't know why the whole world hadn't moved out there. That's beautiful. Yeah, tell me about it. Because the left coast is crazy. That's why. But, yeah. but <laughs> it right, is. And the right coast is right alongside of it. So, yeah. 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 So, I we tease each other back and forth. You can tell I love my father-in-law very much. But he grew up in a mud hole. And I grew up with <laughs> real trees and real mountains. And it's uh, beautiful where I come from. And he'll admit it. <laughs> He's right. But hey, folks, there's beauty in the swamp. You just got to know gotta, where to look. Yeah, yeah you got to. All right, Desi, we got to wrap her up. What's, what's one so more one, thing? We gotta... One more question. We got a bunch of, we'll have to have you back, Daddy, because there's a lot of questions you can't get to it. But I think you'd enjoy this one. This question came from one of our people who said, I know that the word of God is seed and it's pure and it's true. But in farming, did you ever come across bad seed? Oh, oh, that's the that's a farming nightmare. And what I'll does bad seed mean to a farmer? Well, bad seed's a disaster because you have that you have that time to plant. And if they give you bad seed, you buy bad seed, or your seed's lost its its germ. It it, it won't germinate properly, or or just partially won't germinate properly. Then or there's you, something mixed in with it. Or there's some. Oh boy, we had that experience. I know you don't have time to hear all that. But yeah, they the seed company makes a mistake and they mix multiple varieties in the same bag, but they're selling it like it's a particular variety. But somebody in their their process and of, of cleaning the seed and treating it and bagging it, somebody messed up. And uh, we got some of that seed one time, and it was a, it was a disaster. And then we bought and you got Desi, you've heard all these stories about red rice. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we bought rice seed that had red rice in it. Oh. I will I will let you do your rant because you did this for 40 years. Red rice. Do you love red rice? Oh my goodness. It liked to put us out of rice farming. So what is I'll, red rice? All right, and I'll make this rant about 30 seconds, or I try to. The, the the American housewife, when she goes to the store and she picks up that bag of rice, of white rice, and there's this little reddish, dark colored kernel in it she thinks it's a rat peel she thinks rats have been in there and 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 and, and pooped in their rice so she won't buy it she lays it down she won't have it well what that means for us is if we deliver a truckload of rice and they probe it to grade the rice and they find red rice in a truckload of our rice oh my goodness it is it is a, a rice farmer's nightmare and i can tell you red is rice red rice bad no you can eat red rice but the problem is it looks just like a rat peel. Uh, just, it sounds a lot like wild rice, huh? 
Oh, it is. Hey, and those that market. Oh my, I, you don't. I don't. Don't get me started on that. Now I'm just being mean because yeah. you go to the store and you pay extra money for wild rice Which that he they, has to work extra hard to weed out of oh his goodness. white rice. You talk about analogies in the scripture. Oh yeah, raw we one. <laughs> I know. I know we don't have time for it tonight, but there's some scriptural analogies about that red rice. We'll have to. We'll. I'll have to let that one go though. All right, folks. I think I'm going to call it. You can tell why I had Brother Patrick on. There's some rich stuff. I hope that you have learned tonight. Brother Patrick, would you agree in the future to come back and join us again? I will because you and Desi took it easy on me, so I, I can I, I can do that. <laughs> All right. All right. You had some great insights. Folks, we will connect up on our web archive. Uh, we'll date it to tonight, even though it'll be later. We'll put the same date as tonight's broadcast up there so you can go back. Um, again, the first one of his teachings will be available along with tonight later on uh, this coming week. And then the next one, when he's done with that, we'll put it up there. I'd encourage you to, to go and mind that. And we'll have Brother Patrick back because there's a lot of other stories. I want to hear. We got stories of their conversion, him and his wife, LaVon. And we've got to have him back when Desi is not on and we can talk some stuff about Desi and Rachel. So I've got all kinds of ideas <laughs> of things to do a Friday night with friends. But we we got to we got to wrap it tonight. There's other stuff going on. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being patient with Thank us. Thank you so much. Thank for you for allowing me to run over. It was me. I had an agenda tonight. You all are smart enough to know your pastor didn't just have an old farmer on and just kind of spitball this. No, we were going somewhere. I had an agenda, and I hope you heard it, and I hope you're encouraged. And uh, don't forget our website, NewYorkUPC.info. Partner with us in giving. Come there and, and give us praise, re praise reports, prayer requests, all those kinds of things. And as I've said so many times, be patient with us as the pastoral team continues to guide us. Be faithful to the daily broadcast. Be faithful to your small groups. And the Lord's going to be with us. And yeah, we're having to innovate. There's a storm that came through. But I think we heard a word from the Lord tonight that it might be that the Lord's not punishing us in COVID-19. Maybe the prophecies he's given us are from him and he's up to something. Maybe he's preparing us. Perhaps so. I think I might choose to have faith in the God who does all things well. All right, everybody. Desi, Absolutely. wrap us Thank out. Thank you so much.